0: The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky and LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. On the show today, back to basketball. I think we'll see. Sixers lose on the road to the Bucks. The trade deadline passes. Sixers get two guards from the Warriors, who play a lot in the one year where that means something very, very different than it would have meant a couple of years ago. Um, I have a little bit of annoyance with the entire organization that I would like to share in the pod. Josh Richardson, injured and just got here this year, is the one leading team meetings. We say goodbye to James Ennis and Trey Burke, and a Ricky listener blames us for everything. Two things before we get going. In our last commercial for Process realtor, Delaware, uh, your official realtor for the Delaware Beaches sponsors sponsor of Sixers Adams Normal Column, Adam Kasabi. I gave his wrong phone number out like three times. So if you want to reach Adam Kasabi, 302-864-8643, call or text. That's a sell. And second thing, save the date. Save the date. All we're going to say is save the date, April 11th, 2020. Save the date. It is a Saturday evening. Save the date. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here.
1: Whoa! Say the name. I say the name. I say the name.
0: We will write y'all. Welcome to the of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is a little unsure whether we should not talk basketball at all last pod, and now I would guess is probably pretty sure that we should do it again. That is Mike Levin.
1: Oh, man. That was much, much better. This, that's not outside my window. That's just the uh, sound my brain is making. <laughs> it's just how I walk on this earth all the time now.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's a little right. early for a hot take. I won't make you do that. Even though the last time you did it, uh, Shake Melton started. You actually predicted the future. You made it happen. That's you,
1: right.
0: You've you spoken into existence. That's right. So, so you want to do this game before we do the before we do trade deadline, right? We should?
1: Oh, I don't care. What does okay. it matter? <laughs> I, here's my
0: biggest question with the, the game, which actually overall, if, if, I'm, if, if it wasn't surrounded by all this shitty context, of course, it it wouldn't have been that bad a game. My biggest question with the game is why the fuck is Embiid playing with that hand? They don't need him to play. He can let the hand heal. Like if he's got a, it does not seem like whatever's going on in his hand is just some sort of protective thing that he has on there just to make sure that nothing goes wrong. It seems like it's seriously impeding his his like how he's playing he's protecting it all the time in the last game he he got hit on there and he he screamed why is he playing with that thing on his hand i don't don't understand why he's in these games why he came back when he did i don't get it he shouldn't be playing right
1: Uh, if it hurts he shouldn't be playing if you're uh it, it seems like he hit injures it in a scrum every time yeah but if it's the kind of thing where it's like look you're gonna you know you need however many months off That'll be the off season. So this feels like this is just going to be the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, uh, that sucks. Uh, a lot of things I, suck. Yeah, I I don't know what what to say about this game too much. I thought Embiid looked miserable, uh, along with the
1: hand. I think he's miserable for a million different reasons, including well, sometimes the hand. he's miserable because he fucking sucks and he plays like fucking shit. So there's a bunch of things. I'm pissed off when I'm playing in in my Saturday game and like my team isn't that good or whatever But like you're still playing and you still Like go after it obviously it's everyone's fault, but I don't want to let him beat off the hook He's the best player in the team if he wants to be the best player in the league He should be able to be the best player in the league With like four JaVale McGee's on his team in the starting lineup. It shouldn't fucking matter Uh, I'm tired of everything he's he's been playing like absolute shit. And yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't be think better. we let him off the hook I no, think but in the like, last people, pod people we do, It's easy to blame, like, it's the front office, or Brett, or Ben, or everybody It's everybody's fucking fault, and that includes Embiid he is playing, mm-hmm. like, absolute dog shit He's not gotten in shape He doesn't seem to give a shit Like, every, it's everybody It's fucking everybody And it's, as much as it It might not have started with him He might not be the reason why they Or have the team that they have Or the offense that they have, or whatever the fuck But, like if he says I'm one of the best players in the league, he has to take it upon himself to show some leadership and like bring this team out of this fucking dogshit mess that they're in. And he hasn't done it. He's not doing it. And he played like dick tonight and he got owned by Robin Lopez and it's embarrassing and he should be embarrassed and I'm tired of like him saying he's trying to like find his role and stuff. It's like okay, it's this late in the season. It doesn't there's plenty of bad teams that like look decent on offense. I think honestly the Sixers have the worst offense in the league. Vis- visually speaking, it's terrible. It's awful. This this team fucking blows.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, and I I know you are are one to to criticize them, and it did seem like, honestly, like the the, the national broadcast roasted Embiid and the Sixers more than maybe I've ever heard yep. them roast
1: anybody ever. Yep. And by I, the way, I was pissed off as I heard that. I, I'm pissed off. No, no matter what the take is, the Sixers are so bad that just every time I hear anything at all, I disagree with it and I hate it. There's well, no. I, there just, I know. No I, one's in a good place. I'm not in a good place. I hate watching this team. We watch it as as we do. We do two podcasts a week, and this is awful. It is pure basketball torture. What Charles Barkley said tonight was not wrong. He, I, didn't, he said I, didn't, it, I didn't listen, it, I didn't listen it, to that. I can't listen to what they fucking say. But okay. I'm, well, but I he was. He was way.
0: basically. He was basically saying what you said in in a more Charles inflammatory sure. way. But but he was saying the same thing. He he's and and he is. He did pick the Sixers to go to the finals. Like this is not a guy who hates the Sixers or something like that. Or and and uh, I I do agree that an NBA player is more than any other uh, former player are more about like disparaging current players. They mm-hmm. like, they they love doing that. Mm-hmm. But they will also praise. They had no problem praising. Uh, Giannis the entire time that their, their basic point was if you and this this is the point the point is is that the best players in the league don't look like this this often that's it sometimes mm-hmm. they look like this once in a while they look like this once in a while you know james harden shoots three of 24 has 12 points and fucking he blows mm-hmm. but 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 by and large the best players in the league Like, has Giannis had even one game like this this year? And I don't, one, maybe one game, maybe? I don't know. Like, there's no way you're going to win a championship when as many guys on this team, including Embiid, including Simmons, including Harris, uh, including Horford, when as many guys on this team have as many just dog shit games. And I think it, you know, we don't expect Tobias Harris or Al Horford to be, you know, one of the the 10 best players in the league. But the two best players on this team have too many games where they're either, and and Embiid's, the Embiid and Simmons bad games are very different. Embiid's are like miserable. And Ben's are the ones where you're like, you forget that he's playing. Yeah. You don't even see him.
1: Um, and, and they, they have didn't too play many well games. On, in Miami either. I know we didn't talk about it, but he no, made he a terrible he was defense for Jimmy and just like didn't make yeah. dumb decisions. And tonight he thought he had a bunch of nice plays, a bunch of nice moments, um, but got into foul trouble early and then kind of stopped contesting and then fell asleep while watching a bunch, which he does, you know, three, four times a game and always seems to get burned by it. Um and that was on a, a Connaughton backdoor, I think. Um, yeah, everybody's everybody's bad. Like, the offense doesn't look like anything. It doesn't seem like they've gotten any um, more flow to anything. Horford took a shit ton of threes, fine. Embiid was willing to take threes, hit some, fine. Um, it's just, you know, it seems like... A, fucking 80% of the offense is just post-ups and just like clunky post-ups and nobody is a willing passer out of the post except maybe Ben Uh, but Ben's not really a willing shooter out of the post so no one's going in there with like multiple options there's only one thing that everyone's going in there for and then B gets the ball taken away from in the post Tobias fucking at one point spun to the middle and had five bucks contesting his shot at the same time um I'm so tired of of these guys with just no vision or quick passing instincts to like find the open guy. Everything is so clunky and slow and laborious. Um, in the Miami game, their, own, their whole offense was just like hoping Embiid got superstar calls. Like sometimes, like not fou- times when he wasn't fouled, and just hoping that they that he would get they'd call a foul. And sometimes they did, and they, that kept him in it for a little bit. Tonight he wasn't getting those calls and he started fading away uh he was for sure getting fouled but they, they weren't giving it to him and uh it's there's just nothing there's nothing consistent once in a while they're going a stretch where it's like all right simmons is driving and kicking simmons is attacking getting fouled whatever horford's hitting shots and, and getting him up quick whatever it is tobias gets to his mid-range like sometimes they look good obviously sometimes when the sh- when the shots are falling they look good but this team isn't Even when they're wide open, not good shooting team. Um, Horford usually fucking sucks. Uh, He has shorter guys on him in the post, and he's just, like, missing, like, step-back fadeaways with, like, you know, DiVincenzo on him or whatever. It's like, what are we doing? This isn't bully ball. Like, that's not bully ball at all. (laughs) That's not bully ball at all. What are we doing? There's, There's nothing good, and I blame everyone. I really do, and I blame absolutely everyone. No one is off the hook. Every single person involved in the decision making, from people that are like selling tickets to like the assistants, <laughs> like <to> the grounds, <laughs> the like, basketball grounds crew, whatever they're called, it's just, it's hideous all across the board. The dunk board. squad, it's Christian dunk, Crosby. All of them. They're all for, to blame. F- fucking Franklin. They're nine and nineteen on the road. I mean, at a certain yeah. point, like I just don't want them to show up for games. I'd rather them forfeit. I'd rather them not be there, and I can have like a lovely night, watch a movie, or go for a walk. Like I, I know- it's it's a terrible, terrible experience. And I honestly, my the biggest take I have is that Brett should quit. Not because like he's the <laughs> the problem, but I think like Brett should just be like, I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of dealing with these people. Uh, nobody's buying in, no matter how many Josh Richardson you know, locker room meetings and everyone talking about it and stuff. Nobody, you know, once in a while, they'll go through spurts of giving a shit over the course of a game, and then they'll just suddenly be down 12, and they'll be like, ah, oh, whatever. And if I'm Brett, I, I just quit. I walk away. Uh, save your health. You made a bunch of money. Go coach the Australian team. Have a nice life there. Maybe, like, you know, devote your life to charity and, and environmentalism down there. That's That sounds like a nice venture. Being with the Sixers right now is not a good use of, of his time, and uh, I hope he saves himself.
0: The the Sixers amazingly shoot forty two percent from three tonight, yeah. uh, but thirty seven percent overall. Yeah, uh, Horford and Embiid and combine for <clears throat> eight of twenty two from three, which is actually fine. It's thirty six percent. But you have to ask yourself, like, what is going on with a team? where Al Horford and Joel Embiid are the ones that are in the positions
1: to take those shots, yeah. you know. They they um, have no offensive they, they talk about no offensive identity, right? And yeah. and Reggie was talking about it on the broadcast cuz I'm in LA so all I have is the national broadcast. No,
0: I I I don't even think there was a, I don't was there even a local broadcast? I watched a oh. national broadcast, tonight. I, don't I don't even know if there was a local one.
1: Um and he said, "Well, they have no ide- defensive identity. Are we playing fast with Ben or slow with Joe? Like that's not what no identity means. It's not just like how fast you bring the ball up court. It's the fact that they have no like simple way to get like a shot. offense. There's no yeah. like sets that like oh that looks good and they can always go to that when they need and get like good looks out of it. It's there's nothing. That's not it's not just a whether they play fast or slow. Like it's the fact that they don't have any consistency, any fluidity, any like." you know, smart spacing. Like sometimes you'll see like, you know, who pick whoever guys, uh, shake and, uh, Matisse uh, at one point tonight. And they'll just be on the other side of the court, kind of just standing there because that's what they're told to do. They're told to space the floor. So they're spacing the floor and they're standing there. But like the ball's rarely swung to them. They're not like cutting back door and, you know, getting to the teeth of the defense while they're, while they're confused, even when the doubles come like, because nobody's finding them. Nobody finds cutters. It's, it's, it's just, it's the offense, you can say no identity because you're like, okay, the Rockets have an offensive identity. The Lakers have an offensive identity. Milwaukee has because, like, they have guys they can go to to get good looks and instant offense. And the Sixers just have, like, all right, everyone's going to clog the lane and we'll kick it out to whoever. And if they decide to, if the if the rotation is slow, and even sometimes if it isn't, Tobias still won't take that shot, hopefully it goes in. End of, you know. End of game plan. It's just, there's just nothing. There's, there's, they're not a good team. Uh, You talked about like, are they the team like, you know, winning a finals? Like, I don't think they're winning a a round. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, they're going to, they're probably going to be the sixth seed. Maybe they slide into the five. All the teams above them are better. Uh, Well, if, if, if they're the
0: sixth seed, by the way, it means they play Miami in the first round without home court advantage, basically. Like, that's, that's, in my guess, the most likely scenario. You're in fucking trouble. They, they would have to. And and by the way, new odds came out after the trade deadline and they dropped to, at one point they were plus 700 to win uh, the finals, which is um, like less than, is like 15, is like, I'm sorry, plus 700, plus 1,000 is 10 to 1. Yeah. Plus 700 is like 7 to 1 or something like that. 7 to 1. They're now 30 to 1 to win the finals. So they they would have to, they, they would have to win- Four straight playoff rounds without home court advantage. It's impossible. There's just no way. There's no way. Yeah, there's even no way. If they
1: had home court advantage, I wouldn't feel like. Well, optimistic. I'd feel better. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. But the problem isn't like, you know, say and Bede and Simmons both got hurt and were out for like three months. Right, and, right, 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 right. And yes. they happened to fall to the sixth seed because they're just like, ah, crap, we were injured, but like we hung in there. They come back in mid-March, get a little, like, rust out of their system, and now we're going to the playoffs as, like, a dangerous six seed. Uh, they still don't look good. Yeah. It's not, that's not the problem,
0: you know. No, yeah, yeah. It, it is a, a, a symptom problem, uh, you know, vicious yeah. circle. The, and the, I'll, I'll tell you, the rest of the league is fucking laughing at them right now. Sure. Like, I mean, the Sixers, is,
1: they, like, they branded themselves as this, like, imposing piece of shit team like fuck you bully ball embeds obviously gets under people's skin, whatever. Um, the Raptors were, you know, scared of them after the fact or didn't think they'd get by him or whatever it was last year that people talked about on Zach Lowe's podcast and uh, and the Sixers came in cocky and like they wanted to be the villains. And instead, they're just like a bunch of fucking, you know, whiny shitheads who don't try that hard and and can't hit open shots. And aren't good at the things that they even said they'd be good at.
0: They're laughing them on on every level, from the players to the front office to like this entire. I'm I'm, like this is a, this is nobody is afraid of the Sixers. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And and I'm going into what they're doing to my life. (laughs) I'm telling you more podcasts where we just talk about a twenty four movies. That's the way. So and. Look, I, there, it, the, uh, the worst thing about, and you said it at the top, about that it's everybody's fault. The worst thing about blaming anything is that the assumption is that you're not blaming something else, right? So if you say, uh, well, it's Embiid, then you're, you're letting Simmons off the hook, yada, 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 yada. Uh, <clears throat> so you're right with all of it. Um, they, they, the players need to own it. Most, more specifically, that the two best players on the team need to own it. Um,
1: I think. I think the, out of out of all the things, I think Simmons is probably the least to blame, and I'm not saying that just because I worked with him. I think. Well, I, I think. Obviously, the jumper. Obviously, the jumper. But, but that's you, it's
0: enormous. It is enormous, it's enormous. for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure.
1: But if you say, especially lately, the the foul shooting has been a lot better. Not tonight, but especially the last like you know three weeks or a month or whatever, it's been a lot better. Um, still not shooting, whatever. But like, if you if you came into the season assuming Simmons still not going to shoot threes, which was the safe bet. Um, no,
0: no, 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 no. I, I I don't I don't think that's the safe bet. I, I I actually disagree with that there. And I I I think it. We are so we're so fucked up from following this team for seven years and all the weird shit that's been going on that we just. We we very simply go ah oh, well he's just he's not shooting no I'm not I am not excusing it I swear to God it's I'm crazy not it. it's
1: absolutely crazy it's insane and he, he put out he, six videos know, this off with him shooting hundred percent yeah. and yeah. the two threes he did take like the non heave threes he's made the they two look threes. normal he's made the yeah. three threes if you count the the chi- chi- uh, who is it the yeah. Guangdong the Chinese three yeah uh, <laughs> that's, so he's three for three on actual threes. Uh, but he still won't do it. Fine. But if you, if you can attempt to take that part out of it, if you can say, like, given, this is who it is, whatever, uh, he's been, for the most part, an, an, all, an all-NBA defender and more aggressive and certainly not perfect, but I think in terms of, you know, between him and Embiid or him and Brett or Horford or the front office, I, Simmons is lower on my list of blame than most other people.
0: I got to tell you, I don't blame... I, I think if you put Horford in a spot where he's supposed to be
1: Horford, he would just be Horford. But he doesn't want to fucking be a center. So... No. He, yeah, but, but... He claims to want to be a power forward. Right, but, but a power forward
0: on it Like, this is where the Simmons thing comes in to play. Like, when he was a power forward on the Celtics, there was still only one guy on the... There was actually zero guys on the court that weren't shooting threes. Zero. And, and now he's, like... They, the not only and and by the way, it's not like Aaron Baines was some sort of post up center. Yeah, you know he was just there. For sure. So now he's he's playing with Ben, who doesn't shoot, and Embiid, who's a post up center. I don't think Al Horford wants to shoot twelve threes a game. I I just I don't think he and I see the way he shoots him. We've mentioned this before. Like he. He It was actually a nice play. I don't think he hit the three, though. He had that fake pass to the corner and hit the three. He's taken a couple of step
1: backs. It's just not who he is. Yeah, of course. Um, but I, the I, thing that bums me out about Horford is, is honestly mostly defense. It really is mostly right. defense. And and he, I've, the amount of times he's just getting blown by, by guys he used to be able to stay with uh, or get a hand up or contest or whatever. I thought he did a pretty decent job on Giannis for the most part. Um, but, like, he cannot stay in front of— guards anymore or you know he could at least get by and now he just can't at all and uh tough to look at you know all those years left i think hopefully i think the the deal you know people talk about moving Horford to the bench and just doing like all right he's in beats back up maybe they play a couple minutes together but that's really what it is now honestly that's right what it is yeah now. yeah um and when josh gets back maybe maybe it's easier to to lift that band-aid and say like okay it's those guys plus who's ever hot whether it's burks or um uh you know Robinson or whoever they 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 put the starters in minus Horford plus one of those guys that can open the court up a little bit but it's well, yeah, still and, like and- it, it's still just effort and you know it seems like they just quit man it just seems like this team just like quits on each other so easily and i don't know i don't know if, you know i never i the the like come whatever it's like uh locker room issues or in Simmons or whatever it is like that might be bullshit I don't know but you just watch I don't I truthfully don't give a shit there's plenty of guys in the NBA that have played together that don't you know get along outside, outside the court whatever but like you're just watching them on the court and so often it's just like not boxing out this team got beat in the Toronto series obviously the Kawhi shot went in but this team got beat in the Kau- Toronto series because they just stopped boxing out or Milwaukee or Toronto took advantage of the fact that they don't box out and just try to like stand there and out jump people um, and they just let up a ton and let up a ton of offensive rebounds in that series and that's how they they, they won a couple of those back end of the series games um, and they still don't do it how many times do you see guys just like sneak in and get rebounds how many times you saw even in the Brett in the huddle Brett's like hey long rebounds long rebounds. Threes, yeah. long rebounds and they just give those up all the time and it's backbreaking and they make dumb mistakes. like the, this is a game look at the stats of this game. They didn't turn the ball over that much, right? 11 turnovers, fine. 11 turnovers. They gave up nine offensive rebounds on... Milwaukee had 47% shooting. Nine offensive rebounds, not great. Fine. They forced 14 turnovers by Miami. Okay. Good. They can't do anything on offense. Can't get easy buckets ever. Ever, ever, ever. Not getting easy buckets in transition, not getting easy buckets in a simple pick and roll as like really easy stuff continues to happen to us on defense. Like, I don't know what the right thing to do is, but anytime Embiid or Horford, anyone really, is in a pick and roll and and it's a high pick and roll and Embiid's backpedaling and it's a good shooter, in this case Chris Middleton, just like calmly stepping into a very easy 13 footer and then Embiid gets pissed about something. I don't I don't know what the play is what the what the what's going wrong there. It seems like for as long for the past couple of years watching the Sixers, they're like, all right, we'll give you those shots off the dribble, but when there's no resistance whatsoever. Obviously, Matisse has a couple of nice plays from time to time, fighting around screens and and getting blocks. He had a nice one on on Connaughton that that caused the jump ball. Um, but for the most part, it's Kukmaz or Shake or Ben or Tobias Tobias whose defense has sucked lately and uh, absolutely regressed. Um... And it's just like they get caught on a screen or they die on it or they're fighting around it and they're not like selling an offensive foul or whatever. And then it's a wide-open jumper. And those are just like the amount of times that those happen just get to you. And you see the air getting let out of them just like over and over again. Of just like the Sixers fight for a really tough shot and like, oh, wow, Tobias makes a, a nice floater like going left over two guys. Like, oh, man, that took so much out of us. And then simple – Pick and roll with like mediocre players walks into an open look and it's just like okay now your turn It's like oh we have to fucking climb up this goddamn hill again Every time the Sixers make a shot it feels to me like the last shot they'll ever make Like I never I'm I'm convinced that that it's a miracle every time they hit a shot
0: Hold it right there and listen to this message from us about one of our sponsors big barker therapeutic dog beds So I'm sitting on the couch at night and uh, watching TV, and maybe it's 9.30 or 10 o'clock when there's not a game on, and I'll say to Rebel, do you want to go to bed? And he jumps off the couch, runs upstairs, and jumps up into his bed. He loves his bed because it's a big barker. That really happens. I don't know why he loves his bed so much. I believe it's because it's a big barker. I think that's why he likes going to bed. He knows he will rest easy, knowing that his joints are in good shape because he's sleeping on a bed engineered, by experts to make sure his joints are supported properly. It's the truth. bigbarkercom slash Ricky, Big Barker.com slash Ricky. I actually have the old Big Barker Ricky bed with the embroidered logo without the process pup patch. But if you go to bigbarkercom slash Ricky, you will get the, um, what you do is you get the bed and it doesn't have the patch on it. So you can put the patch on whether you want to or not. I know there were some debates in homes, whether they wanted a, uh, <laughs> A dog bed with the logo on it, you know, if it's in the living room or something. So you can choose whether the logo goes on it. It has the awesome process pup patch. Um, Big Barker designed, uh, the owner, Eric, had a, a big dog and Hank and Hank, like every bed they got, Hank was basically like sleeping on the floor because they're not real beds. So Eric starts his company, Big Barker, they make real beds with thick memory foam that dogs are supported on. Dogs, 50 pounds or over, uh, up to 80% of them develop arthritis as they age, but there's a big Barker for every size dog. There's the Barker Jr. even for for tiny dogs. I think Rebel sleeps on a large, he's 42 pounds or something like that. It is a real bed. It is a good bed. It's high quality. 10 years is the warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One year at home trial, try it for a full year. I know sometimes the dog won't sleep on the bed. Doesn't like the bed. If you don't like it for any reason, you can return it, and they will even pay for the shipping. It's handmade in the United States of America. Big and and right here in this area, right here in uh, in the Delaware Valley. Big Barker dog beds.
1: Woof. Mm,
0: one of those. One of those times. Back to our normal messaging. <laughs> so I'm gonna talk about two big things, just big picture things. First thing is. And you say this a lot, but I, I want, I want to like, move it fifteen degrees. You talk about them not being friends off court. I don't care if they're friends off court. That, but that I, I don't think that's the point. And I, I actually they talk don't about think it in it's the locker.
1: The, they talk about in the locker room of like these guys don't, you know, whatever bullshit they don't like each other or whatever it is. They're not. Well, but 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 that
0: it's not about off court. It's it's not about being buddies. It's about their relationship on court. That, like, that's what it's about. But I'm not just talking about those two. And and they don't, I've been saying this for years, four years I've been saying, they need to have, they need to be complimentary in one way or the other. They either have to be close off court and wanna make it work, or they have to compliment each other on court, and they they don't, and it's going to, dry, like, I, I am not one that thinks you need to trade w- one or the other, like clearly, the same sort of player complements both of them, honestly. Like, if you were going to build a team around Embiid or build a team around Simmons, is really the same kind of player, and there's none of them in the starting lineup. Like, that's, that's one of the problems here, one, an enormous problem. But, but the, the, a bigger thing, whether they like each other or not, is, is there is no— it, it really shows something that Josh Richardson is the one talking to everybody in the locker room he just got here he's not even playing and he's the one telling Embiid and simmons that they need to lead them i think that's just personality Le- stuff but leaders don't need to be told like the, the leader on every nba team or almost every nba team that wins is the best player it just is it, it, in every scenario almost oh, just about every scenario the leader is the best player or one of the best players this team Does not have two. Joel Embiid is not a leader in there. They are not led by him. Like you have to. The other players on the team have to feel a responsibility that if they if they do not perform, they are either a letting down the person who's a leader who expects more from them, or b like the Michael Jordan version of it of like you don't want him cursing you out in practice or staring at you or whatever the fuck it is. There's no. There's just no connective tissue on this team and there's no leader and there's no like that's why they give up. That's why they give up. They just they, they don't feel like they owe it to one another. They feel like everybody else owes it to them. And that is everybody on the team. It's like Al Horford is not good enough to be like in the wrong spot all the time and like wondering where his place is. His place is wherever the fuck he gets told to be. Like, that's where he should be. Um, Joel Embiid is too good, to your point, to be wondering what his place is in the offense. Dude, shoot six fucking threes and then post up the other time and run some picket. It's not rocket science. But everyone wants everyone else to cater to them instead of, like, there's no one that is following anybody else on this team. And that is the—if there is a a problem with Brett, if there's a problem with Brett— and it is like, he's sort of the same type of guy in that way that uh, Peterson is, is that they are not, you know, like, yellers. The, the interesting thing about Andy Reid, Ike always tells me this about Andy Reid, is that Andy Reid's super nice guy, super friendly. You are fucking scared to death of doing the wrong thing in practice um, or showing up late or, or one of those things because he would... F- drill you like he would absolutely obliterate you that's the way he was privately but they all respect him and they all love him but there's there's just no one feels any no one feels like they owe anybody anything on this team and and like they quit too easily and that is on them that is on all of the players and it's specifically on Embiid number one and Simmons number two that's like Embiid a far number one absolutely uh and Simmons but Simmons, right there too. Those are the two best players, and they're the ones that um, that have to command that, and That's they don't fair. command that. I, I will uh, push
1: back into some sense and say, like, they haven't the Embiid Simmons pairing hasn't looked bad for three years, right? Like, they've it hasn't been always perfect, but like with in the right line of construction and with the right you know attitude or mindset or whatever the fuck, they seem to like have a good thing going on. Uh, Horford. Is partly uh, the issue there, or maybe it's the personalities now? Back when it was Covington and Dario and whatever, it was like guys who were willing to do, who fit in their role. And now maybe it's yep. it's a little bit more like everybody needs their touches, and they get to like dribble the ball for forty-five seconds and stare at the basket and and think about what they want to do. Um, it's, it's well, it was a team more like Milwaukee, by the way. Sure,
0: not. You know where where the the stars are clear and everyone else's roll around those stars was also clear, you know. Yeah, built in that way. And then the other thing I would say is that, and and I know this is not letting any player or any coach off the hook, but the ownership and front office, the ownership number one and the front office number two of this team are disgraceful. And it goes back to the ownership. I don't know how many times I can make the point that they have they have bungled who is in charge from the beginning of when they started this. The beginning. The beginning was Doug Collins, Rod Thorne, Tony DeLeo all thought they were in charge. Yeah. And, and at, at the same exact time, they all thought they were in charge. Then they hired Sam Hinckley for who for 19 months was actually in charge. Then they hired... Like, don't forget they hired Jerry Colangelo, and I actually believe they thought, oh, they'll just both be in charge, Jerry Colangelo and Sam Hankey. This will be fine. They let Jerry Colangelo snooker them into hiring his own son, who got fired um, for uh, talking shit about the best player on Twitter with a burner account. And then, here's the... like You really have to think about this. They interviewed David Griffin, Gerson Rosas, and they reached out to... Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets to attempt to have them run the basketball operations of the team. But they told all three of them that if they came there, they were going to have to keep Brian Colangelo's staff in place. It is the most fucking crazy thing you could ever imagine. It It is totally insane. It is an insane thing. So now they have a front office where if I were to ask you who is actually making any decision we would have no idea. We have no idea. It is definitely not just Elton Brand and his staff of, of, you know, underlings and Elton making every... That's not how it works. So what you get is you get nobody who actually has to own any of these decisions. Because Because when you have, like, four people who all have a part in the decision, well, then one guy gets a win, and then another guy gets a win, and then another guy gets a win, and you get this clusterfuck that they have right now. And it all goes back to the owners. It all goes back to the owners who either don't care enough or uh, don't spend enough time to make a decision to have a normal power structure of a team. And it's been fucked up the entire time. It's been fucked up the entire time. And this is a disgrace this entire thing is a disgrace. How this has been handled is a disgrace. The way the team has been built is a disgrace. And I, I, like history will look upon that the that Elton Brand scenario Elton Brand who had never held a front office job in the NBA never became the general manager of a team ready to take the next step to win a championship only because he accepted that they would not fire the former general manager staff it's crazy it's we deserve better the fans deserve better that that Brett Brown deserves better. I don't know how much he's involved in that whole fucking thing. Uh, maybe he doesn't deserve better. Maybe he's like the rest of them. It's just, it's, it's disgraceful. And you realize when Woj says, when they're talking about the trade deadline, that the Sixers will be outbid for any meaningful trade, that we finally come to the point where we don't have anything left, <laughs> where they, for two and a half years, have wasted every asset they've had, and now they don't have anything left. They've got nothing left. So those, those two things, um, big picture things. Not the specific yeah, report things, I, but uh, big picture.
1: I still can't believe they hired Jerry Colangelo's son.
0: Yeah, his son. He just fucking snookered them. Peter Vesey said it. He was like, oh, Jerry Colangelo told me he was gonna hire Brian Colangelo. Unbelievable.
1: It, it's so it's cr- amazing how many rich people enormously rich people are so fucking stupid, so Mm -hmm. ridiculously dumb. And they come into this thinking like, because I'm rich, I'm rich for a reason. And it has to be because I'm smart. Therefore, all of my ideas must be good. And there's so many owners around the league who are just fucking in, in all sports, fucking dumb as hell. And the Sixers as as bad as the Knicks are, as bad as the Bulls are, and the fucking Kings, and pick an organization, the Sixers were the only team that were forced to f- hire a fucking babysitter for Sam. No one else yeah. has ever, ha- had, that's never happened to anybody else. It's It's infuriating. <laughs> Uh, not to get back into that place because there's, yeah. there's yeah, current yeah. problems, but they are, you know, the root of them are all in what you said, which I thought was very good. Yeah. Um, um one it, good thing. Do you want inter- what? Yeah. Hey, Mariel Shayok hit a three. Oh, uh, he what did. Nice
0: I thought it was going to be the Mariel Shayok game. And then he, what, <laughs> he missed the next three wide open corner threes. I, he, he, missed Mariel,
1: two. He was one of three from three.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, I, I'll just tell them to give us a promo code. I was trying to hold them up to get us an interview with Hollis and uh and Cannon. But uh, on the 13th, that's next Thursday, whatever G League team Hollis Thompson and Isaiah Cannon are on, they're going to be playing at the the Blue Coats, which is just amazing. Um that Hollis Thompson and Isaiah Cannon are playing. We could use both those guys. Sure.
1: At this point, why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's weird. It's weird though. We're still in this thing where it's like I know we've talked about this so many times, but like I can look at individual players in Sixers and feel affection towards them, and I can look at like the crop of young guys that this team has, including, uh, and we talk about the the picks that the Sixers didn't trade in in the early second round in this draft, and go like, man, that's a lot of cost controlled, good, upsidey young players that can do different things that are like in. Uh, that have grown in different ways. Obviously I'm looking at, you know, Matisse is already good. Korkmaz has, you know, gone through somewhat of a rough, rough stretch, but it seems to be an NBA player uh, with a quick release. Shake continues to look pretty damn good. Um, and then those picks, and I'm glad that they didn't trade Zaire for nothing. Uh, so you can think you can see like, all right, like there those are you need those things. In order to be a good team, especially if you're paying like a lot of money to starters, you need Cheap guys to be good to outplay their contract, mm-hmm. and it, it, whether whether to be a factor in the team when they're good, when they're contending, and be like, hey, we're getting major minutes out of this, you know, rookie deal guy, or to say like, fuck, we got to get out from under this Horford contract, or what, whichever pick one, and you attach a a good young guy that you're like that people are excited by. There's it's not you know that's why it's been so frustrating to see them. Give away so many second round picks because it's like those could be, you know how Woj just said every team would outbid them? If you had better young prospects that you didn't need all of them, then you could yeah. attach them and then be like, oh, now you're now you can get a better guy. Even if they're not going to yeah. fit in this iteration, they can then be enticing for somebody else.
0: And this isn't that I want to trade Thibel, but like it, it is telling that the idea of potentially trading him is so crippling <laughs> that like that's telling. You know that that even the idea of trading someone of his level is is a crippling thought. Tells you what how little you have in the pipeline. Even even Corkmas seems like Can't it potentially. I mean,
1: obviously, yeah. I would have loved. I would love to have Landry Shamet. I think sometimes people go overboard on how and how devastating the Shaman trade was. Corkmas being very helpful this year absolutely uh, mitigates that need. Um, but I would take Landry Shaman on this team. Hundred percent, right now. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So like, get more of those guys. There's plenty of them. There's a reason why Toronto is not like dying to trade their whatever expiring guys or whoever, so they can get a couple like late first. It's because like they're like, oh, we can, you know, we have a mid second round pick, we can get somebody useful there, and and the Sixers consistently cut corners, and and don't have enough of them, but still stumble into like man, a couple decent guys. Who knows if Shaq is good? He looks slower than any NBA player I've ever seen tonight, (laughs) but hit a shot. That's nice. Pretty quick release. Okay. I don't know. I keep that's I'm I'm consistently conflicted on this team because I, you know, the idea of trading a handful of guys that we just talked about upsets me. I'm glad they kept them. But then I'm watching the game and I'm like, just give away everyone. Just like leave them on the side of the road. And just like only take, you know, I was gonna say the medical staff, but don't take the medical staff. Take anyone Take uh, You know A clean plane Just a nice Whoever cleans the planes They seem to be doing a good job And Bring them to the next road game And and see if they have any Any penetrating ability Let's talk about the trade deadline Can we? Can we talk about the trade? He was 6 of 26 from the field Yeah He was 3 of 16 On two two. point shots Yeah Obviously If he's not feeling If his hand's not 100% He shouldn't play but also come the fuck on come the fuck on
0: i'm with you i'm 100 percent with you i but i do think the the shooting is he can be miserable but the shooting has to be there just has to be
1: something going on with the hand
0: the 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 the, the, the lack of energy is
1: clear what's that like the way he looks from the line is pretty clear that it's not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right
0: trade deadline so uh the Sixers, I saw a – man, there's no way I'm going to be able to get the words right. But So what's the meme where the guy's walking with his girlfriend but looking at another girl?
1: Uh, I don't know what it's you, called, but I know
0: what you're talking about. You, you know what talking about? Okay. So the <laughs> – basically, it made me laugh. The, the guy was Sixers Twitter. The girlfriend he had was like um, Alec Burke sucked from 2016 to 2019 – and Glenn Robinson III um, was a bit player on the end of a bench of four reasonable teams until he got on the worst team in the league. And then the girl he's looking at was two solid NBA players who can be give us points off the bench and solidify the rotation. <laughs> and I was just, I was laughing. Like, I don't know, man. I, They're fine. They're not playoff players. Glenn Robinson, I actually think, could I don't think Alec Burks is a playoff player. Um I don't think either of them are Glenn Robinson at
1: least can play some defense and um I think they're both to pe- be helpful. I think absolutely they're both going to be helpful. Who knows who knows playoff time we'll have to see it yeah. but I think this was a They know, can both shoot. They Alec Burks can get his own shot. Alec Burks can get it, his own shot, he can get to the rim, he gets fouled, like that's very helpful. Um and not get absolutely like sought out on defense and, uh, you know, carved up. Um, Glenn Robinson is a fine defender. I think he'll be fine. He, you know, he Golden State had very few playable wing, wing defender types, so Robinson had to cover the best player a lot. Um, but I think as the, you know, better than Mike Scott on defense. So let's see some of that. Take a break from the Ricky. Talk about our our dearest,
0: oldest sponsor. I don't know if he's dearest. Is LL our dearest sponsor? He is our oldest. Very dear. No, very dear. Very dear to our hearts. LL Pavorsky of LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Uh, he celebrates 167. Oh no 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 no! It's higher. Hold on. As of February 5th, 168 engagement rings sold to rights to Ricky Sanchez customers. Um, Right to Ricky Sanchez listeners, rather. LL was our first sponsor, has been with us for four years, five years, I think. Five of the seven, four of the seven. He was our sponsor before we even had sponsors. And, and he's been making people happy ever since. Um, Valentine's Day is in like a week and a half. So I, I say this all the time. You want to propose on Valentine's Day. Don't let anyone tell you that's cliche. Do it whenever you want to do it. Uh, The man, the woman that you propose to is going to be elated whether it's on Valentine's Day or not. You're having a nice Valentine's dinner. You you get down on one knee. You're telling me that's not going to work because it's Valentine's Day? Come on, you're fucking crazy. And Valentine's Day is February 14th. It's a Friday this year. So it makes it even better. Um, uh, Everyone who goes to LL feels great about it. Uh, It gets treated the right way. Great, great-looking jewelry, low-pressure store, wonderful man. It all adds up. Before you go there to buy an engagement ring, make sure you give him a call to set up an appointment. You don't even have to call if you don't want to, but if you're one of those people who likes to make phone calls, <clears throat> I've morphed into one of those people, 215-627-2252. You can tweet at him, at LLPavorsky. Um You can go to the website, send him an email, uh, llpavorsky.com. The store is at 707 Walnut. You can just drop in whenever you want. And um, for every pod... Makes donations to our charities, coded by kids, and the Providence Animal Center. Very dear to our hearts. L. Alpovorsky
1: Jewelers. I wonder if the Sixers sucking ass has any impact on sales.
0: <laughs> Back to the Ricky.
1: As much. By as the way,
0: what? amazing. Just because you said his name, Mike. Somehow, Mike Scott makes him
1: through the deadline on That's the Sixers. fine. I'm fine with it. It's yeah. fine.
0: I, oh, don't, I don't, don't blame I'm, I'm him fine with him on maybe. the team.
1: <laughs> don't blame him anymore, but I, he seems like a good guy. I like him a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and I wonder, I, I would, we'll never get a straight answer, but I wonder if there was any, like, we could trade Mike Scott and stuff, but, like, do we really want to piss off the only part of the fan base that seems to, like, have a good time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, this, <laughs> at this point.
0: Because they don't care whether the team wins or not.
1: <laughs> good for them. They a, they, yeah, they're they smarter it. than we they're are. they one-issue voters, There's, and they, uh, they yep. have
0: it. Um, and, and by the way, I didn't want Mike Scott traded. It's just that we were so resigned
1: to the fact that, it would that he had to be in sure. any trade. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a good deadline for the Sixers. I think whoever uh, I whoever said that, that everyone could get outbid is correct. Um, I'm glad they didn't trade Zaire for nothing. I'm glad they didn't attach a bunch of shit to... Whatever Horford or Tobias or whatever to be like a salary dump situation, I think for better or for worse, the Sixers have. This is the team that they have to take going into the playoffs, um, and they have to figure it out. I don't have faith that they will, but um, they have to. This is this is who they have. So, so many times over the past couple of years, they've made quick decisions to try to like get the best talent and 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 hope it comes together really fast, and sometimes it works maybe it worked last year obviously what happened happened in the playoffs but like i if you're going to make a trade of this magnitude i think it's an off-season trade i don't love making yeah, I, agree. I don't love making big you know tectonic plate shifting trades at the deadline when some people are contending and some people aren't and, and some people want to make you know you're never getting the best picture of a thing obviously you listen to trades whatever it is but if you are it seems like much much safer to take a breath and in June, July, August, whatever, look at the landscape and and make the move you have to make. But uh, trading three late seconds that they were gonna sell anyway um, for two rotation players, I think is absolutely good. Fresh blood, anything new is good. Those guys will hopefully, you know coming from a shitty team, hopefully they have juice to come in and, and give them a little life. Uh, I think ultimately it's good. I like I like both players' skill sets enough. Um, I th- I think it was a the, the best kind of trade deadline they could have. Um, do I feel like super great about the team? Absolutely not. But I think in terms of like the yester between yesterday and today or whenever the trade deadline is at this point, I don't know. Uh, I think they've improved, and it was uh, without like you know sacrificing much of anything at all. So you know, yeah, you know, I.
0: I, I agree. I didn't want them to do anything meaningful to try to increase their real chances of winning this year. Like I don't, I don't think this. I I, th- I agree that I think it helps them during the regular season. I don't think it increased their chances of winning a championship at all. But that said, I don't think there were many things they could have done. Yeah. Maybe if any that could have. And I really, to your point, I want to go into this off season where if if they decide they want to trade Horford and they have to attach something to get rid of him, you know. They they didn't spend it on Derek Rose or two months of Bogdan yeah. Bogdanovich or or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. By the way, for this is this is from this is per Kane Pittman, who is a Milwaukee writer. This is very funny. <laughs> Tobias Harris was asked about his new teammates after the trade deadline. He started by saying he wishes nothing but the best for James, Jonah, and Trey. <laughs> Jonah Bolden hasn't been released. Oh yet. boy.
1: <laughs> 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 That's tough. I do. I. I think. I mean. I thought it would be Kylo Quinn, and maybe. Tra- I thought they would be able to get like a fake, a uh, heavily protected second rounder for Jonah or something. Um, yeah. Since he does have years on his contract after this one, um, but maybe maybe they just they just give uh, when they get when they promote Pal. Maybe it's maybe it's Jonah instead of.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess in an emergency, even though Brett Brown doesn't want to play either of them, in an emergency, he would play O'Quinn over Bolton, I think is what it comes down to, if he had to. So the Sixers give up the Dallas 2020 second-round pick, the Denver 2021 second-round pick, and the Toronto 2022 second-round pick. Which figures are they later all, trade be
1: all in the 20s.
0: Yep. Uh, they later trade James Ennis to the Magic, for the Lakers' 2020 second-round pick, basically just clearing a roster spot. James Ennis, who had basically fallen out of favor because Corkmaz and and Theibel play. Um, really, I, I guess you can never use—he made a lot of—I don't know. He made a lot of good hustle plays, uh-huh. and but he also seemed to make a lot of dumb plays, so— I don't know.
1: Yeah, he got he got a little too Jonathan Simmonsy towards the end, but yeah, all quiet tournaments end with everyone becoming Jonathan Simmons in the end. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, he has to go to Orlando, si- which is where Sixers go to die.
0: Yep. Uh, Sixers release Trey Burke, who is hopefully his. He and his father find a place. Actually, have you ever noticed? I work uh, or night producer WIP uh, Tucker. Tucker's like. Not only does Trey Burke, like Trey Burke, play like sort of like Iverson, he looks just like Iverson. Have, have you noticed how much Trey Burke looks like Allen Iverson? Sure, a little bit, yeah, like a lot. Um, so Trey Burke gone, which means that at least at this point, Howell Neto has won that silent tournament, um, and, he'll, and be, the he'll, heat,
1: he'll be enjoying reaping the awards of the silent tournament on the bench yep. for the rest yep. of the season, only until he turns blowout. into
0: Jonathan Simmons. Yeah, until he, yeah, the Heat. Trade for thirty-six-year-old uh, Andrea Godala and give him a two-year extension. Yeah, and J- Jay Crowder. Now they're better for this trade. Justice Winslow hasn't and even. And Solomon Hill too. Yeah, uh, Justice Winslow hasn't played this year, I don't think, or he's barely played. He's bit. been hurt yeah. the whole time. Yeah, uh, I, I am very thankful as a Sixers fan that they did not get Gallinari Same. because that team would have been fucking. Yeah. <laughs> like they are, that's what they're missing. Yeah. They're missing Gallinari. Um,
1: Do you think that team is Boy, that team would have been good. If, if, I don't if think they had that, gotten Gallinari? Yeah. Yeah. Even with Jimmy Butler as their best player?
0: Contender? I, I don't think they win, but I think like they could get to the finals. I think they would lose to the, the Clippers or the Lakers, but I think they could get to the final. They could beat the Bucks. Let's put it that way. That's a good
1: team, yeah. you know?
0: If they get Gallo. I was, I was worried about that. Yeah. As so. much as
1: I think Iguodala is still pretty good and will help, I think it's a lot of money for him, honestly. Um, yeah, $15 million? This, It's this crazy. Late, this latest career. The, yeah. but Miami, that's the thing. Miami always has, because they, they're only paying one max guy in Jimmy, yeah. they have a bunch of guys in that like NBA middle class from like 10 the, to the tw- 18 12. or whatever. Yeah. And they can then package those guys together and make these trades. The Sixers... Have, uh, have like either, you know, very cheap contract. There's no middle for the Sixers, really. That's why Mike Scott kept being the only guy that they would trade. Um, so I wonder if that is the, the just, a, you know, whether they have Iguodala, or, whether they're actually going to use him for three years or whatever it is. Um, Remains to be seen. Well, the, or, I think the final get, year. In, in, into salary for another, you know, guy that's available at the time.
0: I don't think all of his salary is guaranteed for the final yeah, year. It's I not. think it's, it, it's yeah. Not. So then, um, and by the way, if they had traded for Gallinari, that would have made Butler the second best player on the Heat, which would have <laughs> legitimized my. So then, Gallinari is not better than Jimmy. <laughs> Houston, Houston uh, trades goes all in on six seven guys and trades Clint Capella basically for Robert Covington. Love it. Very happy for Covington. Very happy for fi- Covington. Who finally is going to get to... Pl- he's going to play some five. Uh, who is going to get open threes. Like, he's going to get open threes there. I know. And I, I, I'm, I love I'm it. am watching
1: him play right now. He just made a nice pass to Daniel House for a dunk. There it is. There you go.
0: There you go. Love Covington. I have... That means my, my Timberwolves City Series uh, Covington jersey is now a collector's item. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations to Robert Covington. And then the... The confusing trade, or not confusing, actually. I I think D'Angelo Russell fucking sucks, but the Warriors trade D'Angelo Russell for Wiggins. And did they get two first round picks or one
1: first round pick? A uh, first and is second. a second. A, yeah. a top three protected first in next year's draft and a second.
0: I would buy, maybe this is just I'm buying into Golden State's history. I would buy Andrew Wiggins becoming. Um, What's his name? Harrison Barnes. Uh, Harrison Barnes. More than I buy D'Angelo Russell as anything.
1: Maybe. I'd be interested to see. I hope. I I would. I was actually pretty excited to see what D'Angelo looked like with those guys. But I'm also excited. It's as in like just a curious observer, not someone that's like thinks it's going to be great. But I'll also Mm -hmm. be curious to see what Andrew Wiggins looks like with a fully healthy uh, Warriors team. So I hope they hold on to him and we get to see what it looks like uh, rather than just like Rehabbing his image for a little and then attaching some attaching the pick that they, you know Probably top five pick that they get in this draft with Wiggins to go get, you know somebody big
0: Mike, I I think I'm gonna go over three on this but Mike are you interested in buyout guys? (laughs) Deion Waiters, Evan Turner or Isaiah Thomas? Oh my god (laughs) Uh,
1: no. No Definitely not Isaiah. Isaiah the least uh oh really? Yeah.
0: But behind waiters?
1: Yeah. Oh my I, god. I, okay. I, this is maybe I'm There's some juice to waiters coming home. I could be oh, I my could god. be persuaded to be like, fuck it. I could be persuaded. <laughs> That's, and, and if that tells you anything, it's how little I think of this team right now and how much I hate watching. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. Uh, can I give you one piece of good news? Yeah. Oklahoma City pick currently conveying to the Sixers. Oh I, I, I can't that. Wow That is Fucking Is that good news <laughs> Great news And that's the thing That I will care about The rest of the season They didn't yep. trade Gallinari Look. It's huge Yep The Sixers get the Thunder pick First run pick If it's outside the top 20 Right now it's 21 And so When do you think uh, When do you think Chris Paul is going to Start missing games With knee soreness Never They're in it The fan base is Enthralled They're Fucking ready to go. They have plenty of picks. They don't need it. They have, They have. look, they have Denver's pick a couple picks later, and that's perfectly fine. And they have a, a mid-second that they own, and they got plenty in years to come. I think the fan base in Oklahoma City is starred for winning, and they should go for it. And I think <laughs> if there's any other buyout candidates, they should go to Oklahoma City where it's beautiful this time of year. All right. So I want
0: to read you these three emails. I don't even think you need much of a response, but they came into the Lorenzo Brown mailbag, and they are, when our when our listeners are as desperate as us, I, I enjoy Another it. Another to so, Assist. R- I'll just keep narrating this. I like it. Right. So, Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com is uh, where you send us the email. This one comes from Ryan. Spike and Mike, thanks for the emergency pod Tuesday afternoon. It was extremely therapeutic listening to you guys break down the X's and O's and shed some optimistic light on an increasingly dark and depressing season. Now I have an important question. Given the midseason malaise, how much of this responsibility should the Ricky take due to cursing our team? Consider this. This year's past live pod, which I attended, featured Mike Scott and a surprise appearance by head coach Brett Brown. Obviously, Scott's woes on the court are well documented and the inevitability of Brown's departure grows with each blowout road loss. We could chalk this up to coincidence, but last year's live pod famously featured Dario Saric, who was instantly traded for our favorite source of endless radiation poisoning, and Elton Brand, who has made questionable decision after questionable decision, though he may have redeemed himself a bit with the uh, Burks and GR3 trades. Note this only applies to the live pods. We all know midseason interviews are a well known source of growth, see Corkmaus Furcon. Nevertheless, given the collapse of each person, that has been on a live Ricky recently. How guilty are we f- for this season? Given this trend, wouldn't it be irresponsible for Joel and Bede ever to appear on a live pod? Would love to hear your thoughts.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll take the hit.
0: Yeah, what does it? Has Joel been on a live pod? We just didn't know about it. Is that what happened? That must be is, it. Is That that must yeah. be it. So, a uh, new one. This one comes from Kyler. Spike and Mike, I'm a listener of the pod from Cincinnati. After the last episode, it's become clear to me how much happier I am when I don't have to think about the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Based on the reception, it seems of the reception of that episode. It seems I am not alone. That being said, I'm still a huge fan of the NBA. I propose that, in the best interest of our mental health, that you change the pod to a Grizzlies podcast, since they once also had the rights to Ricky Sanchez. You don't have to change the logo. We can cheer for a team that had little expectations and is even exceeding the ones it had, and we can root for good young players without being so upset at them. The Grizzlies have at least a few more fun years left, and I'm pretty sure we'd all be much happier and healthier cheering for them. If the Sixers ever start being fun again, we can always pivot back. But we could at least stay away from them for a few more
1: episodes. I like it. Grizzlies are fun. Yeah. They're a fun team.
0: And as I mentioned, there is nothing in the rights of Ricky Sanchez's name or logo that says Sixers. So, you know, we can pivot to anything. And then finally, this one comes from Michael, one of our regular emailers. Remember how Hinky never told anyone anything? So much so that it made Woj so pu- publicly angry that he would take shots at the team. I miss those trade deadlines. Fuck Adam Silver. Um, and then to cheer us up, he included a picture of his dog Thor. And he said, I hope we don't make some stupid move at the deadline to make things worse. Things are going great. Passive aggressive locker room turmoil. Yeah, love you guys. So, uh, trade deadlines were fun in the hinky era. I'll never forget, I woke up to the Kings trade. I didn't, I think it happened late at night and I woke up and I saw my phone and I read it like 75 times to make sure that it was right. What a trade, what a great trade. Mm. Yeah, um, and that was not a deadline trade. That was like what? That was an off-season trade, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I think it that was an off-season trade. Yeah. All right. Um, so we have the Grizzlies on Friday night, which is definitely not a um, feels like a loss. Much it. Yeah. Uh, and
1: then what is after the Grizzlies? If they Missed the playoffs, if they lost out the rest of the season, never won a game again. Mm-hmm. Would you be happy? I mean, we could start relaxing. I, st- I, mean, I started be- relaxing tonight. Tonight. Oh, really? Tonight And, in, yeah, in the Miami game, I, I stopped being mad and was, I mean, you saw an email I sent you, like, fully, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, beyond <laughs> depressed. Email. Like, I, I crossed, I, there was some threshold that I crossed that, yeah. um... I might never return from, honestly. I might, I'm fundamentally changed by it. I'll tell you,
0: that email, when you get like that, it's actually really charming to me. I know. I, I hate
1: it. And I've always been that way. And, and then my dad starts laughing at me ever since I was like, you know, a kid and just started going nuts. And he starts laughing. And that makes me more mad. It's, it's always what best. Yeah. Well, it's charming because you still, you, you do
0: care a lot. Like they're, they're losing really does fuck you up. I know. Like, I don't you know' I'm proud of it. Mike and I were talking about a Ricky thing in which he had to be in town, and like his response was, "Fuck them. I'm not, I'm not moving my schedule for that."' <laughs> it was so great. I'm sorry, I don't mean to make you mad I do find it charming. Okay, um, so so I don't even know when the next fucking pot is. is it Saturday? It's got to be Saturday, right? They don't play Saturday. They play. Who's to say? They just play Friday. In, in some ways, <laughs> I've weekend. never
1: stopped doing a podcast. The recording <laughs> right. stops, but I, I don't stop. Yeah, no, it's Sunday. It's, they have the Bulls on Sunday. Okay. If they beat, um, if they beat Memphis and Chicago, am I? Don't let me feel good. <laughs> don't, don't let me do it. <laughs>
0: Well, don't worry. We'll do our like our our second top five A twenty four movies. Great. If they, yeah. Great. All right. Um, are you done with TTP?
1: Yeah, you know, like face. Glad-